0: Catch Kick, the 15-minute fantasy football podcast. I'm Paul Stoltz, former professional kicker who spent way too much time in the offensive film room. And I'm
1: Anthony LaFriere, an award-winning sports reporter who never believed Jimmy Graham was truly a tight end.
0: This week's episode, we are reviewing our tight end rankings. Real quick before we start the episode, though, we have officially posted our 2020 draft cheat sheets. Go ahead to the website. Click the tab to get the cheat sheet sent to you. Simply submit your name and your email address, and we'll send it your way. Before we get rolling, if you haven't already done so, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube.
1: And check out our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. They're at FCKpodcast.
0: And our website is www.fckpodcast.com. Tight ends today, Anthony. Before we get started on our rankings, I'd just love to hear some of your theories around drafting tight ends. Because I know historically in our conversations, you and I think similarly about it. We were never the ones to be taking Gronk with a first-round pick or anything. So how are you viewing it? Are, Are you looking to take a Kittle or a Kelsey or someone in one of the first couple rounds this year?
1: Absolutely not, Paul. We definitely are pretty in line when it comes to our philosophy on tight ends. I think the earliest I've ever drafted a tight end was in the fifth or sixth round. And even that was Jason Witten like at the absolute apex of his career. My philosophy on tight ends are your best of the best of the best tight ends – they really have the value of about a wide receiver two. I would rather use that pick in the second and the third or the fourth round on that wide receiver two and then wait another five to eight rounds and draft a, a tight end that's maybe ranked seventh or eighth overall. He's still a solid starter, but he's not going to be that much worse than you know a top-flight tight end.
0: Yeah, you know, I I use the same argument that I did for Lamar Jackson. If you had a tight end this year who was going to score 10 points per game or even eight, seven or eight points per game more than every other tight end, there's an argument to be made on positional value. But I think tight end is reasonably deep this year, and I don't think that you're going to see that. I would much rather in round two or in round three even take – my number two running back, or my number one receiver. Again, the running back position fades talent-wise quickly this year. So that's my recommendation is wait on tight ends, see if you can catch one of these guys. And we're going to go through our ranks as well as our sleeper tight ends, and maybe you guys can grab one of these later in the draft as we recommend to. So, Anthony, we're going to start real quick. Rapid fire, hit me with your one through five tight ends.
1: So one through five at number one, I have George Kittle, the people's tight end. Number two, Travis Kelsey. Number three, Zach Ertz. Number four, Darren Waller. And number five, Mark Andrews.
0: Again, <laughs> we do not confer before we give our rankings. As we have said in the past, Anthony, I have the exact same one through five on my rankings.
1: Wow, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> so I'll start some commentary since I was expecting to disagree with something. I was expecting I had Darren Waller higher up because I thought you were going to have Angram crack your, crack your top five. Um, let me talk about Waller real quick. I know I did it in a previous episode, but one thing with Waller and Kelsey is they're one of two tight ends out of the top 15 to actually play in all 16 games last year. What I like about Waller and Kelsey is they get them out into um, receiving situations. Waller plays a lot of what's called the Z receiver, where he goes out wide. So he's not even, he's not really in these, in the middle of uh, traffic scenarios, which is where a lot of the tight ends have gotten hurt in recent years. They've had a lot of injuries.
1: One thing I want to talk about, I've noticed in the early drafts that Kelsey was kind of coming off the board first, but I put Kittle ahead of him, aside from the fact that The Rock loves him. I think he's just more of a focal point of that San Francisco offense this year. There's no more Emmanuel Sanders there. I think Jimmy GQ feels safe throwing to him, and rightfully so. He doesn't have the competition. He'll be the man in that offense. Kelsey, there's just too many other guys that have to eat in that offense.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Kittle is certainly the focal point. The other thing with Kittle is he is without question – I think everybody has seen film on Kittle blocking. He's the best. It's not even close anymore. He is literally almost as good as having – a second tackle. When, when, when you see teams put six uh, offensive linemen in for a goal line play, K- Kittle is that good of a blocker. And so what happens is when he's what's called chipping and bumping the DN coming off the side, you know, it creates a lot of distraction and he can peel off of that and get hit on some short routes from, from Jimmy G and take it down the sideline. All right, I'm going to hit the six through 10 now. I know we're going to disagree on a few. But I'm going to go six through 10, and you can go ahead and comment on what you think. My number six is Evan Engram, of course, pending that he stays healthy. Seven, Hunter Henry, pending that he stays healthy. My eight is somebody that I think is going to really break out this year in TJ Hawkinson. He's a great athlete. He runs routes like Gronk does, but he's less lumbering. He's a better overall athlete than Gronk is. My number nine is my sleeper tight end this season, and that's Hayden Hurst in the Atlanta offense. And I'll get into why shortly. And my number 10 is Tyler Higbee. I'll let you react because there is somebody that I am clearly leaving off my top 10 who I believe everybody else has in their top 10.
1: I, I, you know, dude, I think you have a really nice list. For some strange reason, I'm not clicking on the obvious person you, you left off the list. My list is very, very similar to yours. The only difference is I don't have Hawkinson in my top 10, but I really, really, really like Hawkinson, and I'll elaborate on that a little later. I, I, I think I'll just hit you with, with the rest of my top 10, because great minds think alike. Evan Ingram at number six. Hunter Henry at number seven. Hayden Hurst at number eight, Tyler Higby at number nine, and God help me, I have Gronk at number 10.
0: Really? Okay, wow. I'm surprised we're that similar. I'm surprised. So so Hayden Hurst is the guy that I have higher than everybody else, and you actually have him one slot higher than I did. So I guess I'm not giving an earth-shattering pick, and, and we seem to be very on the same page here. The guy I left off my top ten is is Gronk. You know, Gronk I'm seeing usually in the five to – to nine range. And I was watching some stuff from Buccaneers training camp. He does not look like Rob Gronkowski. He's still got some of the weight off of him. So I want to see it before I'm totally bought in, especially after he took a year off of that. Let me dive into Hayden Hurst really quickly. Combine, he ran a four, six, he's extremely fast, great acceleration. And, you know, there's some guys that they, they run fast 40 at the Combine and then their game speed doesn't look the same, Hayden Hurst's game speed is fantastic. What what happens is with Hayden Hurst is you can't use a linebacker to cover him, and so you have to pull down a safety, and defenses end up running a lot of cover one. When you run cover one, it means you're pulling down a safety, and you leave Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones in single coverage, right? So you're going to have to run a cover two where safeties are pulled back and you're going to see Hayden Hurst being covered by a linebacker. It's going to open up a lot of opportunity for Hayden Hurst in the middle of the field.
1: I think he's going to fill that Austin Hooper role. Well, I just want to comment as to why I put Gronk at number 10 aside from the fact that his brother follows me on Twitter. I That's think, an
0: accomplishment, dude. Yeah, I,
1: I, I guess. I don't know. I, he's probably my third or fourth most popular follower i think my most popular is is gordon ramsey
0: but nice humble brag that was good
1: um uh, the reason i put gronk at number 10 is just the chemistry between him and brady is there so they have that to fall back on in the early weeks so i kind of have a uh, draft him and then maybe trade him after a few weeks because by the end of the season I'm not going to like him as much. I like him for early season spurts. I like him because he's going to get play in the red zone. That's my big thing with Gronk.
0: Last guy I want to discuss, uh, who we both have in our top 10, is Tyler Higby. Once he took over, you know, Gerald Everett is the more athletic tight end. He's better in space. He's faster. Higby, they put as more of a blocker for most of the season, and then they finally let him roam free a little bit. His last five games were, like, ridiculous Uh, as soon as he assumed the starting role. 43 catches for 522 yards. He was a top 15 tight end, Anthony. Just if you take the last five games of his season, four games where he went over 100 yards.
1: And the the weapon options are shrinking, shrinking, shrinking in L.A. So he's going to play a more important role in that offense this year.
0: Who is the tight end that we think is getting a little bit overrated this year? And I can go first if you'd like me to, besides Gronk, in my opinion.
1: You may as well, because my big one is Gronk. So you you kind of take this one away, Paul.
0: Yeah, no problem. So I've seen Austin Hooper in the top 10 of most rankings. And again, I, I I go on film. I don't let the stats tell me the entire story. And I go on film, and Austin Hooper is a guy who's pretty vanilla. He's, he's, he's kind of, like, just good across the board at everything, but he's not great at anything except for finding open space. He's a, he's a decent blocker. He's a pretty smart player on goal line situations. He knows how to chip and then run a route and, and, and get open. He's kind of a right place, right time guy. And, and the question to me on Austin Hooper this season that, that we'll see play out is, Was Austin Hooper a product of the Matt Ryan offense, or was Austin Hooper somebody that certainly warrants his own targets through his personal skill? And what the film told me is that he's not, and that in Cleveland, he's going to have a regression season.
1: Paul, I got to tell you, it's r- like we're usually pretty on the same page, but I don't remember if we've ever been on the same page as much as this episode because I don't have Hooper in my top ten either. I, like you, believe that he was a product of Matt Ryan and having Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the outside kind of ensured he was going to get easy pickings.
0: Look, the other thing is is David Njoku has terrible hands. But he's a freak athlete, and he still is only two seasons removed from, like, I think he had a 10-touchdown season or an 8-touchdown season. So, you know, Hooper is the the significantly better blocker than Njoku out of the two. So in two tight end sets, you know, Njoku is going to be the number one option from, from a tight end standpoint.
1: Truth be I'll told, I like, I like Njoku better than, than Hooper. I understand his hands are bad, but I, give me a freak athlete any day of the
0: week. So, so let's now shift to, okay, you are taking the extreme of waiting to round 12, 13, 14, where all of these guys are scooped up. As, as I kind of alluded to, Hayden Hurst is the guy that I'm really targeting late. I'm good with him, Hawkinson, or Higby. But let's say those guys are all off the board. You're the last one to grab a tight end. Who are you looking at as someone like, hey, I'm going to take a shot on this guy late and maybe he, uh, he does me some, some justice and I get a little lucky here?
1: Well, philosophically, I, I really like TJ Hawkinson, but it, if he's not there, how about OJ Howard? I, I know I put Gronk in my top Ooh. ten, but – as I kind of said, I think he's a guy I would draft and then look to trade in the middle of the season. I think Tom Brady's going to find a way to make him work. He's a freak athlete, he's young. I think if he can gel with Brady, then he could end up being a top five tight end. I just, I, I, lo- I loved him coming out of college. He had a really bad year last year, but that was because he had to learn the Bruce Arians offense. He's got a year under that now. I'm hoping they kind of figure out a way to coexist, make everything work, and he could be a breakout star.
0: Where do you have him ranked?
1: I think I have him about 12th or 13th on my big Wow, really? Yeah, I got him high. I got him really high. I've just always liked him. If I get burned, See that's the thing, Paul. If I get burned on O.J. Howard because he's going so late in the draft, I'm not going to get burnt that badly.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, I wouldn't take him as my number one tight end, but I, yeah, I could. Look, there is a world in which O.J. Howard's raw tools turn into a strong performance. I just, I think this guy. Has just not spent enough time. Doesn't spend enough time in his playbook. He hasn't taken the time at the in the few years he's been at the NFL level to really hone his craft and work hard. You know, I, I'm I'm not a believer in him. But look, if you want to take a shot at him late with Adam in the draft as as a true sleeper player, eh, I don't hate it.
1: And that's exactly what I would do. I mean, this is a guy and. Paul's seen me do this in quite a few drafts where I'll take my starting tight end in like the third or fourth to last round, like that, those last rounds right before you have to take your defense and your kicker. I'll take a tight end and be like, I'll take a giant home run swing. If I hit great, if not, I'll hit the wire and see what's on the waiver wire.
0: So I'm going to give a – I'm going to name a few players that I think are pretty young and could have a a breakout year. Look, Noah Fant is extremely talented. He's not in the best offense with a rookie quarterback and a mediocre offensive line. But he's really talented, right? So, So he's one that most people have in their top 12. The next guy who I watched a lot last year was Irv Smith, and look, there are four options in Minnesota, in the Minnesota Vikings offense. There's the rookie Justin Jefferson, there's Adam Thielen, there's Kyle Rudolph, and then there's Irv Smith. And I think you're going to see that that's what they're going to do, is they're going to run a lot of two, two tight end sets. Kyle Rudolph is a great blocker. Irv Smith is a poor man's Evan Engram, with good athletic talent, good hands, I could see him as someone that takes over as a Kirk Cousins safety valve, with Adam Thielen needing to be a little, to stretch the field a little bit more, be a little more dynamic in his route running. The next guy I like is Jay Sternberger. I have him way back in the 20s, maybe 22, I think I have him, but he's someone that I could see with the Packers who who could have a bit of a breakout season. And the last guy who's, uh, we've seen, Bits and pieces from in the past is Jonu Smith, who, funny enough, I feel like plays a lot like Delaney Walker, where they'll, they'll even line him up almost as a fullback. He's somebody that I think is worth maybe taking a last-round sleeper shot at. Sure. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode, everyone. Please go ahead, smash that like button, subscribe to our channel, check us out on our website so you could download your 2020 draft guide cheat sheet for your draft. And lastly, hit us on Instagram, Twitter, at FCKpodcast.